This show was first broadcast on Free FM, Hamilton, New Zealand's community access media organisation. For more information on our lineup of shows and the role we play in the media, visit freefm.org.nz. Hi, it's Vanessa from the Fighting Stigma Show on Free FM. Are you a Waikato local? Do you have an idea for a radio show? Do you want to try your hand at being a content creator on Free FM? If so, check out our website on freefm.org.nz or find Free FM on Facebook and get in touch. Greetings, I am Barry. If you're searching for answers, spiritual help, clairvoyant readings, healings, crystals, books, incense or jewellery, you need to go to Infinity, Hamilton Spiritual Centre, in the new premises at 550 Anglesey Street, or you can phone us on 838 1838. This is your link between this life and the next. Become the change the world needs today. Greetings, I am Barry. This is the voice within for another week. Well, here we are again, all sat indoors in lockdown. It was a different world in 2004, when in October 2004 I started this radio show. So we've got 17 years of history trying to teach people there is other things apart from earning money and upsetting people and wars and all sorts of problems. But prior to that, I used to run another show here on what was in those days called Community Radio. And this is just a little blast from the past from that time. Coming a pest, rabbit, 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 rabbit. 
rabbit, yet, 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 rabbit, yet, 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 rabbit, 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 yet, 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 funny, 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 jabber, 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 funny, funny, jabber, show was a music show so I used to play that type of music rock me and all sorts of the what was in those days the, the the good music shall we say not like some of the stuff we've got now but it was a request show so I used to do requests for people and I was working Christmas Day and a guy phoned in for a request because he'd just lost his father and it was a magical moment because he phoned me back after the track and thank me for just playing it and bringing back the memories for him. Because I told him his father had moved on and was now in a better place. So today we'll um, we'll listen to Lee Harris. And he's talking about what we can expect in this October. Hello, I'm Lee. Welcome to the October Energy Update. Where every month I take the pulse on what might be showing up for you energetically, emotionally, psychologically. A few of the themes for this month are the emergence of your personal transformation, boundaries and connection, and the changing nature of some of our relationships, the war of beliefs and how you are doing with that, and lastly, the importance of you bringing yourself back to creating the life you want, the world you want to see, and giving yourself to that process. I'll go into more detail on these themes and others. Stay tuned. Hello, welcome to the October Energy Update. So we're moving into October. And for those of you who have been with me for a while, you will have heard me speak over the last few months about the very clear energy shift uh, in this last few months of the year. The way I could um, kind of uh, explain it, I guess, would be if the first six months of this year were very introverted, you're going to see a lot more extroversion, a lot more taking place in the outer world. And this specifically relates to you personally, because that was the biggest theme that I was given as a headline for this month, the emergence of our personal transformation. So this is going to be a really good month for you to get behind or move some energy towards anything that you've been wanting to create in your life that's different. And that can be everything from changing our routines in our life, perhaps seemingly small routines. But as we know, when we change any habits in our life or any routines, it has a knock-on effect on what will play, play out in the outer world. But equally, if you're working on a big move or a big plan or something that has definitely caused you trepidation or you've needed to take your time to get ready for this to happen in your life, October is going to be a month where many of us will see things really start to get moving. And with support and with a grace energy rather than a propulsion or a shock or a horror, now, the only thing I will say about that is one theme that has come up for this month is changing relationships and our ability to move with the changes in our relationships. And if you think about it, this makes total sense, because if we start to change and grow and shift, as we all will all through our life, 
But if we're going through a very accelerated period of that, it stands to reason that some of the relationships in our life are also going to change. Notice if that makes you nervous. You know, perhaps you've got a few people in your life right now and you're thinking, oh yeah, I think there might be some changes. Notice if it makes you nervous. And the one thing I will point out is sometimes we have relationship changes that can be painful or difficult or hurt, but there is an incredible grace right now and there is an ease and a flow that is happening in the changing nature of our relationships. That if you tap into it, it means that you can very compassionately and perhaps very easily just slightly adjust some of your relationship dynamics. Or even if you do choose to let go of someone that you see regularly for a while, or they do that to you, there can be a quicker ease around trusting this process. You know, we often get attached to the people in our life or we really associate those people with our ability to connect. And actually our ability to connect is in us. And everybody that we've loved and everyone that we will ever love will teach us how to continue to love other people. And love is an energy that exists on the planet. Another word for it could be connection. So as we're connecting to ourselves in different ways, and this has been very much uh, accelerated by the last 18 months or so, as we are connecting to ourselves in different ways, so too some of our outer relationship dynamics are going to change. And I just want to remind you to look for the positive in that and be open to the positive in that. Many of you who perhaps learned to keep your mouth shut about certain things, either because your ideas weren't welcome or the way you said them perhaps used to be a little more triggering or polarizing, you'll have reached a place where you can speak your truth with compassion. And it's amazing how when you do that, often the other person, unless they are triggered or it activates something in them, which you can never control if that happens, it's incredible the level of shift and transformation that people will feel. And I have to bring that up because one of the other themes for this month is how are you doing amid the war of beliefs? So last month, I spoke very in-depth about the war of words that's going, on, going around right now on the planet. There's a war of words, and you don't have to look too far into the narratives that we're seeing out there to find that war of words. And what that stems from is a war of beliefs. Now, the irony about this is we will all change beliefs. You know, the beliefs that we had when we were seven are probably different to the beliefs we had when we were 25 and the beliefs we had when we were 50 and the beliefs we have when we we're 75. Beliefs are supposed to change and grow with us. So it's very interesting when people want to go to war with each other under the pretense of beliefs. Because it's always a pretense. You know, you decide you want to push someone away or reject somebody or blame a whole group in society because of a belief that you have that differs from there. Wouldn't it be a great world if we were able to have enough compassion and enough curiosity to be open to each other and to have that? And sure, we're definitely seeing uh, a lack of maturity in our world right now around those themes. So the reason I'm asking how you're doing with it is it can be very triggering. It can trigger fear for us when we see this. It can make us sad. It can make us scared. All of those feelings. But there comes a point when we move through those and we have to move through those and then we come back to the place of, well, where do I want to be? What is the world 
I want to live in? What are the kinds of relationships I want to cultivate and give my energy to? So it is a difficult time right now because many people want to fight and go to war with each other. And that's being highly encouraged. Like you don't have to look very far to really see how insidiously woven into some of the stuff flying around the world right now. We're, we're all being encouraged into that. And what we can do is go beyond that and create something different. Doesn't mean we'll agree with everyone. It might mean that for a while, we and a certain friend aren't going to hang out as much. But the point here is it's okay. And I just did a big channel. Um, it was 70 minutes long and it was called Boundaries and Connection. And it has, it's actually the, the monthly MP3. I do one every month for my portal community. We also put them in the store. So if you're not a member of the portal, but you just want to get the recording, you can get that. But a few of the headlines that came up, I wanted to share with you today because it was very interesting. They were talking about the first half of this century. And they said, you're almost a quarter of the way through the first 50 years of the 21st century. And you're already going through a huge shift in your perception of connection as human beings. And they said it's supposed to change. So many of us get upset about the division energy we see. It's not what we want to see. And what they were saying was from, from another perspective and from through our reality, it's part of the shift that we're going through. It's part of entering a phase of multidimensionality where one group's going to go over here and be in this way of being and another group might go over there and they said don't fight that if you fight that or if you resist that it's going to be very difficult for you to really come into your own power so it's interesting because you know as i say that i i understand some of you are there fighting for certain freedoms or certain liberties and that's really important this is something separate this is more about the way that you the way that you see the all-encompassing whole. And they were saying that boundaries and connection go hand in hand. So if we can learn what our boundaries are and effectively and compassionately communicate and demonstrate those to other people, we get to a place where we no longer have relationships in our lives where those boundaries get breached or tested. Or if they do, it doesn't trigger or upset us in quite the same way. So they were talking about the importance of certain boundaries or letting go in certain relationships so that you can move on to the next group of friends or business partners. or And that's just the way of things. So they were encouraging us not to get too stuck in the grief or the inability to let go because we're always letting go in order to bring something else in. So just bear that in mind when, when I talk about changing relationships in this update because that's something that is going round and what you will be letting go of in the wound of having to let go of that relationship will be some of your own wounds and that's true for all of us it's how we evolve shift change as we go but we often forget to think well when i'm over this in six months i wonder what friend will come in and re replace that friend or the way i like to see it is be the continuum I don't know about you, but one of the things I've noticed as I've got older, there are certain people I really loved in my life that I'm, you know, I'm, I'm no longer in the same country as, or, you know, our lives went in different directions. And it's really beautiful to notice how elements of those people show up in new forms. 
So I have a few friends in my life right now and I, they remind me, parts of them remind me of friends I had 10 or 20 years ago, but they have some new parts because I guess so do I. So it's important to understand that changing relationships is actually a healthy thing and not a thing that we should be afraid of. So I share that for any of you who are a little contracted or recoiled about it. You might be letting go of something or someone or a certain way of being right now and it feels tender, but six, 12 months from now, you will have gone through that process and you'll be ready to let someone else or something new in. So everything I've just described about relationships can really be applied to us and our growth journey. It's not easy to emerge from the chrysalis and October is a month of emerging from the chrysalis. There are many of you who've already been doing it this year. You can, you know, you probably could give me stories of all the things in the last six months that you've been noticing. But there are a huge wave of people who are about to emerge from the chrysalis. And I know, depending on where you live in the world right now, and God, who knows, by the time <laughs> this comes out and you're watching it, you know, there are various phases of lockdown going on around the world. But they've been adamant all along the way that what that's actually the benefit of that internally, because of course there are many things that we don't like about that or that we could, uh, we could have problems with about that. But what they have said all along is rather than diminishing people's power, which was the fear, or some people were, were fearful that was the aim, that the opposite will happen. And so this month is the month that whatever you've been going through for the last 18 months and you're feeling like you're at the end of it and you can't take it anymore, breakthroughs will happen this month if you stay open to them, if you can stay in your heart and if you can allow grace to support you. And, you know, being human is messy and confusing sometimes. We're a human and a soul and acknowledging that it's messy and confusing is a very powerful place to be, especially if you're a sensitive. Because if you're someone who has lived your life as a deep sensitive or deeply empathic to everything going on in the world, and perhaps you're only just figuring that out right now, it's actually really helpful to be able to live in the paradox of this life, which is it's challenging and difficult and crazy sometimes, and then other times it can be this incredible epiphany of experiences and connection. But we have to be mindful of the challenging and be aware of it and have some strategies inside ourselves that can help us when the challenges come along. But equally, we have to stay open to the positive and to the high energies on the planet. And there has been a very seductive narrative around us detaching, disconnecting from that in the last 18 months. And it's really important. And it's fine. Like whoever wants to disconnect from that, they can go there. But for you, if you're wavering, this is going to be a month where you can plug back into possibility, your own sense of positivity and creativity. So what you want to create from this place, the higher realm. Okay, I'm just checking my notes here. Uh, remember that an internal shift leads to outer change and vice versa. So many of you have been going through huge internal shifts. The outer is about to start happening in the coming months and it will get kick-started in October. Um, personal boundaries come from awareness. This was another piece from the channel that I wanted to just instill. Uh, they were saying that our current 
adopted idea of boundaries as a humanity is a boundary is something you set or enforce or sometimes wallop someone over the head with when they've done something you're not happy about. I remember doing that a few times, but hey, we, we, all, we, all, we all live and learn and grow, right? And hey, when you're in your wound sometimes, and that's, that's as far as you, that's as much as you know, that can sometimes be the first way you set a boundary. But what they were saying was personal boundaries are something that you develop if you continually develop awareness. Awareness of how you're doing and how you're experiencing the world in every moment or every hour or every day and doing little check-ins so that you can keep checking that you're not headlessly doing things in the world and becoming unconscious or you're around a load of people who were very agitated and you don't know why you're agitated for four hours when you've left them. But if you start doing awareness checks and kind of keeping an idea on, okay, how am I doing and how are my interactions going and how is it for other people? What, what's going on here? There's going to be a real opportunity for more people to become more self-aware around these areas of emotional awareness, emotional intelligence, and also our interactivity with others. We're coming out of a very tender period of time and we're slowly beginning to crawl back out toward each other. And so initially there can be a shyness or a tenderness about that, but the desire to connect is going to be strong and it's going to be a hunger that many people have. So really noticing how things are going in your relationships. And for many of you, this will look like being a lot bolder in what you're willing to say. Uh, being brave enough to say the thing that scares you in case they don't like what you say or in case it comes across the wrong way. Well, if you say something and you notice it comes across the wrong way, you can say, oh, I'm not sure that came, I'm not sure I, I expressed that. That wasn't my intention to upset you. You know, you can kind of clumsily pick your way through the conversation, but don't not have the conversation. This is a time to, with people who you are close to, invested with and feeling like you want to connect with, whether it's someone you meet in the street for a moment or whether it's someone that's very important to you in your life, we're going through upgrades in all of our relationships, including the one with ourselves. So personal boundaries is basically just keeping a check, not hypervigilant, not obsessed about it, but just keeping a check on how you're doing and how your interactions are going. And, and, and it's a really good way for you to start to actively change some of your patterns. And it is its own, it's its own way of having boundaries. If you're around a group of people, like I said, and they're very agitated and you come away and you, you didn't realize how much you were just absorbing how they were feeling. You didn't really have much of a boundary. You came away feeling all agitated. So that's interesting information. Oh, that's interesting. Why did I just completely open myself to that agitation? Where does that come from? I'll do a little bit of investigating on that side of me that thinks it's okay to fully just open my coat and go into everybody else's emotion which is very much the way of, of many sensitives and empaths until we figure out, ah, I don't need to do that. And sometimes we have to look at why we started doing it. At what point in our life did we deem that as safer than not? Sometimes it protected us from otherwise traumatic or difficult experiences in our childhood. But now you're older and a little more learned. It's 
a time where you can start to change the way you interact with others, change the way you show up. Our boundaries don't always come from our words or the rules that we give other people. They actually start first and foremost with how we keep an eye on ourselves as we go through the day. Oh, that's interesting. Oh, wow, I'm, I'm kind of, my nervous system's all revved up. And we start to notice, oh yeah, every time I go to that part of town, I get revved up. So I'm gonna place a boundary on myself. Next time I headlessly think it's time to go to that part of town, because I've got an errand to do and I feel a bit resistant, but I push through it, maybe I won't push through it. Maybe I'll find the other place I can go to that isn't quite as frenetic. These are the boundaries of awareness that we are in every single day and practicing. Okay, uh, the last three points I wanted to make, they all refer to energetic polarities being at work right now at high levels of consciousness. So, I don't know about you, I've definitely been having conversations and awareness about the polarity that's playing out on, you know, on the 3D plane here. Um, I think all of us are very aware of that polarity and that kind of that's been going on for many years, but has definitely got a, a little worse. It's peaked in a different way this year. It keeps changing identity, but it's not going away. Well, one thing that they were very clear to give me uh, yesterday was that there are incredible polarities at work energetically as well. It's not just that this is how we as humans are translating what's going on in the story of humanity right now. It's actually that the energies are incredibly polarized. This is partly why things are so fast. It's partly why there is an acceleration energy. But this is something to kind of bear in mind. It can lead to, there are three areas I was given to share with you, sudden shifts and epiphanies in your personal life. And again, this is going to get stronger in October. So sudden shifts and epiphanies in your personal life. Again, I want to remind you that these can be very good things. You know, uh, we tend to go, oh, what's that going to be? But it's, it doesn't have to be that way. It might be, but these can be very good things. So a sudden shift in a situation that a week ago, you didn't know how you were going to figure it out, but suddenly there is this movement of energy. Equally, epiphanies that lead to you making different choices. You suddenly get clear about something. So that's one of the byproducts of these polarized high energies right now. And that does link into the changing relationships too, if you think about it. There are sudden shifts in relationships or epiphanies. Equally, and I like this one, I know I've been experiencing this the last couple of years and I'm sure many of you have too. Pain healing is revealing gifts faster than before. So for example, this can be characterized by an inconvenient or painful clarity that is kind of shocking to you, you know, and it can be really about awareness. It doesn't always have to be an external event or incident that triggers this for you. Sometimes it's like you realize, oh my God, I've been, I've been keeping myself in this place for four months and I really didn't need to. Why was I doing that to myself? And in the moment you realize it doesn't feel good. It's painful or it kind of brings something up for you but it very quickly shifts, very quickly shifts, and the gift gets revealed. So whereas years ago, for many of us, you know, we might have had to swim through that for months and months to kind of get to the gold. Now you can get to the gold or the gift within days, but you do have to be willing to go there. 
And we tend to, we've, most of us have been trained to either avoid our pain or anything that's uncomfortable. If you can be willing to let some of your discomfort rise enough that you investigate it, consider it, feel it, let it move through your body, it's incredible how these polarized high energies right now will move them through you and as a result, re reveal the gift. So for example, um, you might go through perhaps Perhaps an intimate relationship is what you've been wanting for a long time. And it's been painful for you to suddenly realize this in the last month. And perhaps you've been denying it to yourself or trying, I'm okay. And suddenly it feels really painful in your body because what comes up is abandonment and the feeling of you being abandoned or the feeling of you not having a certain intimacy. And for you, perhaps right now, that is going to look like an intimate relationship. Now, for someone else, that might look like new friends. But for you, that looks like an intimate relationship. So you go through all this abandonment and it feels ugh, for days. And then weirdly, a week later, in walks somebody who is either a contender or the step to the next relationship, the, the warm up. You know, I often think before we meet a, a, a very significant relationship in our life, whether that's for love or business or whatever it is, any kind of significant person, we sometimes have a rehearsal right before someone who isn't quite the right mix for you, but it lets you shake off some of your own stuff so that you can just clear out anything you need to clear before you have a more all-encompassing connection with the next person. So pain healing re revealing gifts faster than before. And lastly, the creativity and innovation energy continues to be high. So I'm going to leave you today with this thought. What do you want to create? and release this month. This is something I just uh, led uh, a small group through this, this past week. What do you want to create and release this month? It's a really good question to keep our soul alive in our life. And it's interesting how emotional it can sometimes make us. And sometimes we feel emotion about why we think we can't have that thing we want to create. And other times we feel an epiphany because we're allowing our soul to come back in. So if you want to journal for your soul to be included in your life, ask yourself regularly, what do I want to create this month? What do I want to release this month? And what you want to create might be directly helping someone else or a certain group on the planet. What you want to release might be something very physical and literal in your life, or it might be I want to release my anxiety. I want to release being plagued by my anxiety. And it's amazing how when we put these things out there, then the lessons, teachers, people come along that we might need. But we have to be able to have the awareness that we are looking to create something. We're looking to release something. And often when we stop and do this for just five, 10 minutes, it has a profound effect. So I invite you at the end of this to write down a few things that you would like to create and a few things that you would like to release because October is going to be an incredible time for manifestation and forward movement toward what you're trying to create. So get conscious with that and get involved rather than letting everything happen unto you. Uh, it's going to be very important, especially if you are sensitive and you are somebody who 
wants to see the heart in this world grow rather than diminish. So if you've been spending time grieving what you're seeing, it's important that you get back into creating the very thing that you would like to see more of in the world in whatever way that looks for you. And that can be very personal and it can be something that we create in the outside world. They're both the same, which is really where we started. Internal shifts leads to outer change and vice versa. Okay, thank you so much everyone for tuning in and I hope you have a good month. Thank you for tuning in. Take good care of yourselves and lots of love, everybody. All the friends I believed in, I believed in for a while. They had their Nobody quite got it right Nobody knew just how it feels to be me But sometimes when I'm dreaming And I dream a lot these days I meet someone Agnek the Thertog, and um, what well, I'm only dreaming, because Agnetha was from uh, ABBA, so we're waiting for their new album to come out sometime this later this year, I think.
Now, talk about the vaccinations and stuff, about what's in it. Um, this is Greg Braden, and he's talking about our DNA. Now, whether these vaccines alter it or not, we're not sure. What would it mean if we discovered undeniable proof, the actual words of an ancient message coded into the DNA of life itself, into the cells of our bodies? Is it possible for hundreds of thousands of years, each of us has carried a message from the day of our origin, a message that could only be translated when we evolved to the place where we could recognize it and read it and act on it? Well, if the answer is yes, we've got to ask ourselves, what would such a message say? Rather than record it on a single scroll or inscribe it in a temple wall that could crumble into dust over time, what if the message from our past was left within life itself? What if the message is inside of us, perfectly replicated inside of each of the 50 trillion or so cells of our bodies, stored in the living library of the 6 billion plus people of our world? Now that's the way to preserve a message from the healing of our bodies, the peace of our world. Such a universal message would tell us that we're more. We're more than any disease that we may ever experience. We're greater than the differences that have separated us in the past. It tells us that we're family. No matter what we believe or how we live, no matter what our religions or heritage or bloodlines or borders, we'd all carry precisely the same message. If we were to find such a message, we'd be given the reason to see ourselves differently? Well, we no longer have to ask these questions as what if, because this is precisely what has happened. There is a message in our DNA, it exists. It's been revealed, it's been read, it's been translated, and by following the instructions left to us in some of our most ancient and cherished traditions, we can now literally read the code of life as the letters of ancient alphabets. And when we do so, our genetic code becomes words and the words become sentences. Whoever, whatever is responsible for our being here may have left something hidden for us deep in the mystery of our lives long ago. You may be surprised at just how powerfully you're affected by the clarity of the message you're about to hear, the message that lives in every cell of your body, the emotional experience that goes along with researching this kind of information has had a tremendously profound and powerful effect on me personally. I've always believed that we are here on purpose, that we're an intentional species, that we're a product of an intentional creation that began long ago. And while I confess I've never fully understood the how or the why of our existence, I am convinced beyond any reasonable doubt. When I see the complexity of life, and the complexity of, of the DNA in our bodies, I know that we're here by design. My thinking at the time was that if we are, in fact, here on purpose, then it make perfect sense that somewhere in our past, who or whatever is responsible for our being here, would have left us a clue to tell us that we're here on purpose. My search led me into some of the most remote and ancient, rugged, pristine places remaining in the face of the earth today. Places where those who have come before us have stored what they knew in their time for the people who would live in their future. From the temples of Egypt's deserts, tiny villages in the Andes Mountains of Bolivia and Peru into the ancient monasteries of the highlands of central Tibet and the Tibetan Plateau. I had the opportunity to meet with the people and read their records and hear their history. And as interesting as every one of these sites was, not one of them told me what I was looking for. However, they all had a common clue. And that clue simply invited me, you can probably guess, 
said, stop looking for these answers in the world around you. You're never going to find them there. Look for the answers within. And as I saw these clues again and again, and they were so consistent over such long periods of time in so many different cultures, I had to ask myself a question. Is this the sign that tells us that maybe these clues are literal? If there is something hidden within us that tells us of our past, where would we look to find that record? In the 19th century, a historian and amateur archaeologist, for example, Heinrich Schliemann, he asked a question in his day regarding the classic book, The Iliad, by Homer, and its descriptions of an ancient city of Troy, and that the stories that were described by Homer in The Iliad were metaphors for battles between the forces of light and dark, good and evil. Heinrich Schliemann looked at these clues a little differently. He said, what if these are descriptions of an ancient city that actually existed and battles that actually occurred? What would it tell us about ourselves and our past? What would happen if we followed those clues as though they were real? Well, this is precisely what he did. He found himself at a mound of earth and began excavating in a place where no one had ever excavated before. No archaeologist had found this place in the past. What he discovered were eight layers of civilization, eight cities that had never been seen before. Well, it was in the ninth level of the excavation in 1873 where he excavated the cities, streets, and the gates of the ancient city of Troy. And we knew for the first time that what Homer had written about in the Iliad was not fictional, that it was a literal description of our past. And all Heinrich Schliemann did was follow the clues. Could the same thing have happened with us? Is it possible that the answer to some of our deepest mysteries, could those answers be so abundant that they're all around us and we simply haven't followed the clues that were left to us? What would happen if we did? The discovery of a literal text message in the cells of all life now gives entirely new meaning to our time in history. Earlier I asked a question. I said, what would it mean to find the actual words of an ancient message written as the DNA of each cell of every life. And I'm going to make it more specific. What would it mean to you? Ask yourself this question. What would it mean to you if you found that within every cell of your body, since the time you were born and all those that have come before you, carry an entire library of information, including the clues to understand who you are and where you come from in the past. What would it mean to find that we are so the product of an intentional species that we actually have that message in our bodies? What does that mean to you? Let's take it one step further. Even if we don't know what the message says, at the very least, we know it tells us we're here on purpose. Now, let's take our question one step further. What would it mean to discover that the message inside the cells of your body includes a signature. And what if that signature matched the name of the creator found in 2,200-year-old scrolls? What if the signature in our cells contains the ancient name of God? There is a very ancient science that underlies the use of numbers that represent letters. This ancient science, and it is a science, of applying numbers to find the deeper meaning in the texts. It is called gematria, G-E-M-A-T-R-I-A, sometimes pronounced gematria, sometimes pronounced gematria. 
Uh, numerology, if you're familiar with numerology, is a subset. It is derived from this science of gematria. In the second century AD, uh, a rabbi, Eliezer ben Ar Jose, actually published 32 rules, rabbinical rules, of precisely how we use these numbers, rules that must be adhered to if we're going to consider the numbers that go with the alphabets. All of the ancient alphabets, including English, which is a relatively modern alphabet, have always had numbers that are linked to the letters. So whether we're speaking about cuneiform or Sanskrit or Chinese, Arabic, Greek, Coptic, Latin, English, uh, ancient Hebrew, all of these alphabets have these mysterious numbers that are linked to the letters. So if we can find, convert language into number, then we've got a way to read this code in our bodies. If we can turn the DNA in our cells into numbers, we can match those numbers with the numbers of the ancient alphabets, and we can literally replace all of the elements of life with letters and read the code of life as words and sentences. Well, perhaps one of the languages that best lends itself to this process is the alphabet of ancient biblical Hebrew. It is biblical Hebrew that became the first language the cells of our bodies, the message in our cells, was converted into because Hebrew, by no stretch of the imagination, is the oldest language known to humankind. There are many, many other languages much older. What makes the Hebrew language so very unique, first of all, it is one of the oldest continuously used languages today. It is such a stable language. It is used today. It's changed very, very little in the last 5,000 years. And the piece that I believe that is so fascinating is that the Hebrew language is the basis for the spiritual and religious traditions of over one half of the world's population. Biblical Hebrew links the three traditions of Christian and Hebrew and Islam through the Old Testament prophet Abraham uh, into uh, the, the common texts. So if we were ever going to find a principle of peace, and if we wanted to translate a, a, a language inside of ourselves into a text that would be meaningful to the greatest number of people, to me it makes tremendous sense to translate that language into the words that are linked to our spiritual traditions for over, over half of the world's population. And for that reason, uh, I chose to begin this project in Hebrew. Since that time, we know that the message also translates into other languages as well, such as ancient Arabic. And it appears that it works in Sanskrit as well, although that research is, is, uh, is not quite complete. When we speak about Hebrew texts and Hebrew traditions, for many people the word Kabbalah comes to mind, a collection of esoteric wisdom that has more or less been uh, combined into three major books. One of them is the ancient book of the Zohar, called the Book of Radiance. It literally translates into the Book of Radiance. The second one is called the Midrash, or the Book of Illumination. There's always been a third book. It's a mysterious third book. It has been translated very, very seldom into English. It is believed to be so mystical and such a metaphor that for many scholars, it wasn't worth the time that it took to translate and study. They said, they said, it's too symbolic, we can't use this. Well, that book is called the Sefer Yitzhak. It literally translates into the book of creation. We don't even know where this book came from. Its origins are unclear. 
The scholars of the Torah believe it was originally received or transcribed by Abraham, and if that's true, it dates to about the same time as, as the Vedas of India, almost 4,000 years ago. Well, the book itself, it's a very, very uh, uh, small book, only about 1,000 lines. And in those 1,000 lines, it is if an observer were watching the day that God created the universe and our world and our bodies and recording line by line what that observer saw as the creation took place. And it begins with the mystery and the power of the letters, the 22 letters of the Hebrew alphabet itself. Let's go back and look at some of these passages. Let's explore them for ourselves and see how they might give us the clues that will help us to translate this message in ourselves. So I'm going to begin by reading a, a verse, very first verse from the very first chapter in the book of the Sefer Yitzhah, and it simply says, and God created the universe with three books, is what the Sefer Yitzhah says. He created the universe with text, the word is Sefer, S-E-P-H-E-R. He created the universe with number, Sefer, S-E-P-H-A-R, and he created the universe with communication, Sipur, S-I-P-P-U-R. The text goes on to say now, in verse two, chapter 2, verse 2, that God created our universe by engraving the letters of the Hebrew alphabet into the emptiness, in the void of the nothingness that existed before our world. He engraved the letters, he carved them, he permuted them, he weighed them, he transformed them. And with them he depicted all that was formed, all that would be formed, all that has ever been formed. The text goes on to say that God chose three letters from the alphabet and he set them in what is called his great name. So as I was researching the book, The God Code, and I reached this point in the text, I had to ask myself, what is the name of the creator? Let me ask you a question. If someone walks up to you and says, what is God's name? How do you answer that question? The mystery of God's name is a lingering mystery. One name was held so sacred that it was actually replaced in the ancient text 6,800 times. And that name became the foundation of an entire nation. It's said that when King Solomon began building the nation of Israel, that this name was inscribed on a parchment and placed beneath the cornerstone that still stands today of the great temple on the Temple Mount. One name. What was that name? What is God's ancient name? There is one name that has always been held so sacred. In that name, it is a four-letter name. It is called the Tetragrammaton, literally meaning the four letters of the name. In the Hebrew language, which is a language that is written without the vowels, is a language of consonants only. It is written from right to left as the Hebrew letters Yud, Hey, Vav, Hey, representing the uh, English letters Y-H, V-H. So if we're to ask what was this one name that was removed 6,800 times, it is the name that is represented by those four letters Y-H, V-H. It is called the divine name. The true pronunciation, however, has been hidden throughout the ages because the vowels are not recorded in the Dead Sea Scrolls, for example. When you get to a place in some of the, the more recent Dead Sea Scrolls, say 2200 years ago, 
every place where you see the name of God, it is simply represented by four dots. They won't even write out the letters. I am convinced beyond any reasonable doubt that this name, YHVH, pronounced Yahweh, is the name that was in those original traditions, and it's the name that the Sefer Yitzhah is referring to that seeded or was the catalyst that put into motion the momentum that began all of creation. YHVH. Yahweh is a full name. Now this is important because in the text there is a shorter version that is simply Yah. YH. During the time that I was writing this portion of the book that the scholars who were translating the Dead Sea Scrolls uh, made an announcement and released uh, information about the scrolls that had not been released previously. And what they did was they took over 3,000 of these fragments and they cataloged them separately, photographed them, and released them as a book, a single book. Uh, the title of the book is called Discoveries of the Judean Desert, Qumran K4 Unidentified Fragments. What drew my attention to this particular text was of all of those scrolls and all of those fragments, one little piece stood out above all others. Fragment number 66. And on a single little fragment of parchment, one word exists. There are no other letters around it. It is the perfect representation of the four letters of God's ancient name, yud Hey vav Hey Y-H-V-H, perfectly preserved, standing alone, all by themselves. So if we are to assume now, continuing with our mystery, that this is in fact the personal name of the Creator in our world, Y-H-V-H, uh, the Sefer Yitzhah, this is in chapter 2, verse 5, it goes on once again, even more specifically, it says, all that's formed, all that's spoken, emanates from this one name. So we've got to ask, is this a mystical metaphor, or are these the literal instructions that describe the origins of the universe and life? So in the partial rules of Gematria, what we know, number one, is that numbers and letters are interchangeable. The second rule is a rule that makes scientists a little bit crazy because the rule is that numbers have no decimals. The third rule is that numbers that are equal in value are equal in meaning. If I want to apply gematria to the language of life, to the elements, hydrogen, nitrogen, oxygen, carbon, I have to find numbers that represent them. And for every one of those on the periodic table, there's at least 17 different numbers that make every element unique. What I'm going to say right now is this. If you're taking notes, this is the piece that's important. There's only one number that uniquely matches the Hebrew letter codes with the ancient alphabets. And that number is a very mysterious property that we call atomic mass. It is a very, very um, mystical, very unique property. It doesn't mean how much something weighs. It means how much space it takes up. The atomic mass number as technical as that sounds, it's very simple. The atomic mass number that we use to describe our elements is the number that links those elements to the letters of the ancient alphabet. So, let's look at the elements of life. The four elements that make all life what it is today. Hydrogen, nitrogen, oxygen, carbon. And if we look at the atomic mass, the number that represents this, hydrogen is a 1.00, nitrogen 14.00, Oxygen, 15.99. Carbon, 
12.00. If we treat those modern numbers just the way we would ancient numbers, through gematria, we can reduce those. There are no decimals. We can add them together until they become a single digit. So the 1.00 of hydrogen simply becomes a 1. 14.00 of nitrogen becomes a 5. 15.99 of oxygen becomes a 6. 12.00 of carbon becomes a 3. And the elements of life now, hydrogen, nitrogen, oxygen, carbon, can be represented through the ancient numbers 1, 5, 6, and 3. Now all we have to do is go into the chart of the alphabets and match those numbers and we can translate the message of the code inside of our cells. The precise details of how this is done I've described in the book The God Code. All we're doing is now matching the numbers that we've converted the elements of life into to the letters of the ancient alphabets. And when we do that, the modern element hydrogen becomes the Hebrew letter Yud or Y. The element nitrogen becomes the Hebrew letter He or H. The element of oxygen becomes the Hebrew letter V or Vav. The modern element carbon becomes G or Gimel. All we've done is we've treated the modern elements as we would with gematria, and we've treated the ancient letters as we would with science. We're giving both ways of knowing the same consideration. In the presence of the message in ourselves, God, eternal, within the body, we become better people, the very foundation of a better world. So the many things that this message in ourselves says to us today, from my perspective, one stands out above all others. In addition to all of the interesting implications and all the conversations that we can have about the science of evolution and philosophy and religion and spirituality, and as important as all of those things are, we must find a way to become greater than our differences. We must find a way to have peaceful solutions to the things that have separated us in the past. This message reminds us of a single immutable truth. And that truth simply says to us that beyond Christian, Jew, Muslim, Hindu, Buddhist, Shinto, native, aboriginal, white, black, red, yellow, woman, child, or man, or any other way that we've defined ourselves in the past, the message reminds us that we're a family. We're a family and we're here to care for one another and we need one another. And in the moments that we doubt that, we need to look no further than the message in ourselves, perfectly replicated within each of the 50 trillion cells of the six billion plus people in our world is a tribute to our success as a species, we each carry a perfect record, the very same record, God eternal within the body. It's a message that lives in every single one of us, and that is the power of unleashing the God code. Now here's a lady who started her journey in Infinity Spiritual Center in Hamilton. Namaste, my name is Susanna Maria Emmanuel, and I'm the Sovereign Universal Love Channel for the Great Ka'iron, Sovereign Father Emmanuel, and the Galactic Federations of Love Societies. The messages I bring through are not from human wisdom, but they come from Cosmos Intellect. The transmissions from Cosmos Intelligence explain why suffering is part of mankind's consciousness and how a higher path can come to the people. 
Hope is all but gone from many people's minds, as many believe that not much hope is possible any longer. Without hope in the minds of many, there is no more reason, and without hope all collapses in the minds of the people. When many people can begin to see what ultimate truth of the universe is all about, they will be able to see that a whole other pathway for all of humanity could open. It is only, however, once many are ready to see that another pathway could be formed, that is when many will want to study higher cosmos intelligence concepts. They will then also become aware of higher DNA evolution possibilities, and that it is with cosmos star consciousness that all could become more intelligent, and that cosmos star intelligence could guide humanity to a way of peace. The universe has the ultimate answers to human conflict, but that answer can only come about if enough people gain a spiritual awareness and a thirst to connect into cosmos consciousness. How can people understand the way forward if they do not wish to connect into cosmos intelligence? For many, the pathway to cosmos consciousness would not even seem possible. Many people believe that we are the only race in all of existence, and yet constantly we look for signals in space. Could it be that somewhere within our own DNA we do have some conscious understanding that life outside of our own planet could exist? Why is a fascination so great about connecting into Mars at this time? Could it possibly be that humanity, before becoming humans here on Earth, existed on other planets, but because those planets were destroyed by the people with war, they needed to find a new home, and that is why they came to planet Earth. Perhaps our whole solar system connected into a higher universe, and fell into a black hole, a void for a time being, so that we could learn to gain conscious awareness of universal intelligence, and learn to work with the cosmos to regain back enough cosmos awareness so that we could connect back to our original star DNA. Maybe the great cosmos desires us to learn who we really were before we became humans, in the greater cosmos sense, so that we could understand that the great cosmos purpose is for peace to reign in all of the universes, not to learn destruction or pain anymore or sickness. Maybe this is what is called, in the greater sense, true cosmos evolution and expansion. Why would the greater cosmos consider it of such importance to show humanity that another pathway to peace could exist? Could it be because Earth needs assistance from the greater cosmos? All in the star cosmos carries light aspects and intellect. Gravity and denseness do not exist in the higher universal cosmos star fields. There space expands, but here all light contracts and we feel heavy. Earth will also reflect to how humanity feels. Could it be that we all live in an illusion on planet Earth, and it is because our illusion is heavy with weight and conflict that Earth is reflecting the same back to us? The Earth has an electromagnetic field, just like we do. 
The sun also carries a field which connects into our earth and connects into our own electromagnetic field. If the earth charges our bodies up, then the earth would be sensitive to how humanity feels. Would you not agree? Perhaps it is so that the consciousness of the earth connects deep into all living creation of our planet, which is why she reflects back to us her own echoes of pain. All creation on earth needs to have support. Who would be able to give that support? If humanity cannot give earth and creation support to live, then it would turn to the great cosmos. Perhaps that's why the great cosmos has sent a messenger. All creation on earth is in dire need of higher direction. If humanity cannot lead other people, then who will lead humanity to peace? Earth has consciousness, and so does every living thing. DNA within Earth and all living creation is inseparable. It is not possible to have Earth without DNA, as her own building blocks of life are necessary for all of the animals and the trees, and for all of humanity to function. Therefore, we gain an awareness that Earth works together collectively with all of creation. The trees connect into the Earth with messages via sound frequencies, and the trees connect into the human DNA. Humanity cannot possibly live without the trees, as all functions together as one great collective. Likewise, all of creation supports each other. The trees pass messages on to other trees with Earth's own neuron systems, and this is how Earth knows all situations on planet Earth. Earth herself has mirrors, which are formed in grids. Grids are pathways of networks of consciousness. These networks carry information from one DNA connection to another. Nothing works apart. All works together as a collective consciousness. The Earth carries her own immunity system. When she feels part of her own Earth suffering, she will abandon it, and this is how she tries to heal herself. Sometimes it is not possible to heal herself in various areas, which is why she will completely abandon various parts of the Earth, so that she can focus more on other parts of the Earth to stay alive. If we consider how many parts Earth has abandoned over the last few decades alone, then we quickly can begin to analyze that we don't have too much time left. Many fish in the oceans are screaming right now and are lost as the magnetic fields are shifting. All Earth is in dire need of higher direction. From the Earth we learn that all creatures, large and small, need each other. The trees hold magnificent strength DNA, which supports the birds, the butterflies, the flowers, and the mountains, and all of life. This is how DNA works, through light magnetic systems. They reach each other via their electromagnetic fields, which are charged by the sun's magnetic frequencies. The sun's own frequencies are not only healing for Earth herself, but also for every living creature including vegetation upon the earth. All upon earth needs the sun, as her own frequencies are healing for earth. 
However, the sun herself is also becoming endangered. The sun's original purpose was to connect to all of life and bring life rejuvenation and healing constantly. Now many harmful rays interfere with creation on the planet. So what happened in our history that changed everything on a biological level as our own bodies of light are not constantly charged anymore by our living sun? The great cosmos is intelligent. All DNA in nature works together in harmony. Together when species evolve and adapt and connect, they know how to cooperate together. Spontaneous evolution on those levels does not truly exist but follows patterns of various sound frequencies. But where do those magnetic sound frequencies come from? And what does it have to do with Earth? Earth, the original planet of creation, holds all memories of life. Earth is a library filled with information. Those memories are various light frequencies which are ancient and are still connected into a whole other universe. Those light frequencies hold on to thoughts of consciousness also. Light frequencies are rays of magnetic wisdom with various instructions to follow. Those instructions are DNA codings. Each code leads to another doorway which is how all in the universe intercepts through spirals of creation. Nothing on earth is inseparable. How then does this knowledge apply to humanity? To find out the importance of consciousness of the human and earth, we first need to define consciousness in the universe and how people define consciousness. Consciousness on the higher universal level would be to connect into everlasting expansive freedom and expression. Intellect on the higher universal cosmos consciousness wave is based on cosmos neurology pathways which are connected into stars. Star fields shine out light. Starlight works in fields of frequencies and they bounce off frequencies from one star to another. In the higher cosmos, Energy expands due to each star connecting in on polar opposite directions. Each star has a force field connected into very high cosmos sound waves. These sound waves hold large amounts of power which are able to be used as cosmos energy for creation. Therefore we can understand that cosmos power comes from the stars and is eternal power. Stars are electric power houses. They hold frequencies of sounds, which still to this day connect into Earth's own DNA frequencies. Large cosmos star maps disappeared. When we begin to delve into the mysteries of cosmos history, we become conscious of the same patterns happening here on Earth at this time. Was there higher knowledge of ancient star beings in higher star universes that knew more about technology than humanity does at this time? Could a thermodynamic nuclear explosion have caused a black hole where enormous amounts of universal magnetic fields were reduced to almost zero? Right now there are scientists who are discovering similar technology. What if they tapped into that technology once again and used it on our planet? What would happen to our planet at this time?
Many people would say that the idea of all magnetic fields of the sun, the earth, and the moon to disappear in a colossal thermodynamic explosion to be impossible, so that all of life on earth could completely disappear. But what if all had already been done, and we are living in our part of the universe that is an echo, an expression of time, based on memories from a very long time ago. Could evolved star people, before coming to planet Earth, have worked with the same type of technology, except they used their technology in enormous star fields, before many stars lost their own magnetic source of power? Perhaps that could explain why many sound frequencies are being discovered by scientists, who are currently working in space as they are venturing out to new places in the cosmos. Scientists are currently discovering a huge magnetic field in space. Could this field be connected into a large universal war which happened a very long time ago in another part of space? Could it now be coming towards us? What if Earth originally had a large magnetic field and constantly expanded? Then the people would have been amazingly intelligent. They would have connected into cosmos light cells. No density would have existed. What if there were beings who wanted to control those fields and by using cyber technology, thermodynamic weapons, they were able to power up their weapons by connecting them into the star fields and then take all the magnetic frequencies away from our original Earth, what would have happened then? They would have known that by taking away the magnetic frequencies of the planet, they could control the freedom of the people as the people's consciousness originally was connected to the planet's own cosmos in a star which was a field of creation within the original Earth. If there were beings who understood the connection between the inner sun of the planet and also the magnetic frequencies, then the DNA of all of life on that planet would have also collapsed, including the fields of the Earth, the sun and the moon. If there were beings who used that kind of technology to reduce all the fields of the inner sun on the original planet, then they would have understood how the magnetic fields supported the consciousness of all of life, including the original star people. If those fields collapsed in, then the DNA of all of life would have also collapsed, including the fields of the sun and the moon, not only the original Earth. The sun would no longer be able to stabilize the planet, as the biofields of the Earth would be almost gone. All in the universe works in fields of working in partnership as a collective. The original Earth would have also had that inner sun, which would have worked together with the sun outside of the planet. This would have caused an enormous energy that the people could have constantly worked with to rejuvenate all of life and creation. But if there were scientists who used biological weapons to aim at the planet to reduce all the frequencies of the inner sun of the planet, then all original magnetic frequencies of original sound creation would all be gone. 
Time would have warped, and all would have fallen into a hold, a hold where no more time existed. Without interstellar time, all became dense, as time and the higher spaces is created by grids of frequencies and sound. Once those waves disappear, then time collapses in on itself. Without time grids, the whole universes can disappear. When that happens, all of life also disappears. Perhaps we are in a time of incubation, and the great cosmos is waiting for us to see if we can connect into higher cosmos experiences and intelligence so that we can be guided back to our original creation. Maybe the echoes of our own history are meeting us right now at this time. Maybe there could still be sufficient time left to begin to realize in this very moment that all of humanity will need to change, for otherwise we might, yet again, face extinction, such as our original predecessors did. Maybe there could still be sufficient time left to begin to realize in this moment that all of humanity could still change. If humanity doesn't change, what will our outcome be? Already, all time in the original universe has collapsed. What would happen if time collapsed again? Imagine if the cosmos sun could be recharged, and that all biological fields could expand again very slowly, and many people receive star transmissions at this time to slowly allow them to come back into stronger people. If our original earth connected into another dimension and the people originally connected to that earth were cosmos people and those cosmos people were many people living on earth today, then our original biology could still reconnect by way of star transmissions. If a star DNA evolved person lived here on planet earth who was able to bridge the gap between earth here today and higher cosmology. How does DNA learn from each other? It is by transmitting through codes and sound frequencies that DNA learns. With pineal activations, the original DNA sound patterns can be transmitted through to other people, but that person would need to be a cosmos messenger and would need to hold all the star frequencies from the original spaces, otherwise it could not be done. When the brain frequencies of the people present recall those same frequencies from the original star dimensions, they become reactivated. When people become reactivated, they are able to learn a whole other understanding. They begin to remember who they truly were. They gain their stronger cosmos feedback very slowly, and their whole understanding of life changes. They are able to operate life on a whole other consciousness here on Earth. This is called star transformation. Once people are activated with living cosmos codes, the Earth can also receive higher star frequencies once they are reactivated. The cosmos messenger during the activations would need to be present with the people as their own cosmos intelligence would need to connect directly with people's frequencies. Currently, this process has already begun to happen. 
During the year of 2014, when Cryon or Chiron approached me, he reconnected with my own DNA. He then brought me to my greater universal purpose to be the universal light grid programmer. In the year 2015, I began to bring activations through with Chiron to people, and they began to connect into higher thought patterns. Slowly, they are evolving at this time, as all things need time to evolve. At this time, because I reached the sovereign alignment, the activated are feeling my own angel force coming in, and their fields are expanding at this time. Currently, research is taking place on my own DNA expansion. Many people wonder, could a way forward for all of humanity come at this time? Well, the answer is already here. All of consciousness needs to change on the earth. Imagine if millions of people became activated during the next few years alone, and then all of the original fields of earth would reconnect slowly, and then earth might have a future. It would all depend, however, on whether enough people would want to be involved in a large consciousness shift coming. Universal love force is original creation force. Universal love force operates in a whole other sequence than dense forces. All things expand in the universal love force. Therefore, those who are activated are gaining a stronger DNA vibration, and Earth accepts this to show that a pathway forward can come. But only when enough people desire to operate from their heart, the people who are activated are in a higher consciousness grid. This means that their DNA is currently learning to hold stronger vibrations, because they work from a higher consciousness. It is easier for them to operate in love consciousness. The more they work with fields of love consciousness, the stronger they become energetically. And therefore, their manifestation abilities grow, but it is all up to individuals and the collective whether they desire the pathway to be formed forward or not. At times, it may be difficult to believe that miracles can happen on this planet, because when we look at humanity and all that is happening on Earth at this time, it is very difficult to see a pathway forward at times. So many people are suffering, and yet another pathway is showing. The people who become consciously aware of this pathway can rejoice within themselves, for it has been a very long time since the people have been part of a higher star creation. Higher consciousness can only happen if it was part of us originally at some stage. Nothing new can ever be truly created in limited consciousness fields, as those are restrictive fields of energy within the Merkaba fields. Original consciousness was in universal love electromagnetic star frequencies. They were fields of pure universal magnetic love forces, which expanded creation force. No density existed in those universes. Therefore, no restrictive thoughts were possible. 
Dense consciousness came when the original star people connected into dense conflict consciousness with war energies. This created a severe drop in consciousness and all their original knowledge and star creation frequencies no longer existed once they fell into dense consciousness. This is why it is now important to rediscover original star transformation in this time as the blue star is rising from the grids of the earth. The Cosmos Sovereign Universal Love Channel is rising with the Great Ka'iron, the Galactic Federations of Universal Love and Sovereign Father Emmanuel. It was always stated that once the blue star would rise, all would become revealed and seen, and a new pathway for humanity could come, but only if enough desire to play along in the great cosmos starfields of universal love and creation. For those who have already been activated with Ka'iron, they are currently experiencing greater growth taking place due to their codes of life. Their brain frequencies on the star dimensions are already being activated, so they are learning to be in fields of original consciousness of star dimensions. This happens very slowly. They participate in large global healing events already, and the earth can also feel their own energy bodies growing. This is precisely what earth needs itself because when the activated grow with their own star dimensional growth then slowly the earth is able to replenish all their lost energies then the earth is able to recover slowly as she will always mirror the people's consciousness because certain ones have already become activated and they are showing that a path forward is possible Earth is also sharing that consciousness with all of mankind. Earth will always mirror consciousness. This is why the activated feel so strongly about calling out to many people to receive their own codes of life back so that many can participate in global healing taking place. One day perhaps many may join the already activated people. One day millions might wake up spiritually to see the way forward as possible now. It all depends on the desire to heal all of consciousness, whether they desire to evolve spiritually and reach cosmos star consciousness or not, which only Ka'iron and Sovereign Father Emmanuel can do, as they are the original divine forces of universal love creation. They can only work with the divine love element channel, who was purposely created by divine themselves to bring through the rivers of life to all of creation, the planets, the stars, and the original star creation. Namaste. My name is Susanna Maria Emmanuel. Greetings. Susanna came into our shop many years ago like a lot of people searching and wondering what her pathway was and it turned out she was to be a channel to spread the message as you heard there um, it's down to us we need to get the message out there
Barry, spreading the words within. Kakite, Shalom, Namaste, Masalam. May God go with you. For more episodes, use the accessmedia.nz app for iOS and Android devices, or subscribe to this podcast via Spotify, iHeartRadio, or Apple Podcasts. This free FM podcast was brought to you with support from New Zealand On Air.